You're listening to Web Suasion Conversation, Episode 2. Welcome to the show, everybody. I am Ryan Williams, president and founder of the Web Suasion Group, and this is Web Suasion Conversation, the business growth podcast. Today on the show, we've got Jeff Bartholomew of Everest Business Coaching, and Jeff is going to talk to us about self-doubt and teaching and making connections and communication and accountability and exit strategies and all kinds of stuff. But before we get to Jeff, I want to talk to you a little bit about what we do here at Web Suasion. So I've been a programmer for about 22 years now and started WebSuasion about 12 years ago. We've built up a reputation for being cloud and mobile app developers and integrating business systems and building business systems. But what a lot of people don't realize is that we're also a digital marketing agency and I've been a content producer for 30 years. Um, of course, we do podcast, obviously, but we also produce webinar assets like video and audio. Uh, we do marketing videos. But to be honest, we don't really lead into conversations with the digital marketing side of what we do because businesses do not value content. And it is the crux of any good marketing campaign and any good uh, support for your networking or anything that you do, it's content. It's not the social media. It's not the interaction itself. It's the ongoing, continuous content that is unique to your business. It's the only way to really establish authority in your field and your niche is how you show that you know what you're talking about, that you're credible. So we leave you with a little homework every week. And this week, I'd like you to take a look at all the social networks out there and try to decide which ones that your audience is on. Is it LinkedIn? Is it YouTube? Is it Facebook? And do you have consistent content that you can stream out to them in just little bite-sized chunks? What is it that you do that is unique that you can talk about to that audience? And when you do that, how can you do it in a way that encourages interaction, encourages a conversation? Because that's how you're going to move them from being an audience to prospects to an actual sale. So be thinking about your content. Try to come up with a plan. Definitely leave comments on our show notes page. You can get to that at websuasion.com forward slash two. That's W-E-B-S-U-A-S-I-O-N.com forward slash the number two. And scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page and there will be a comment form. You can leave that there or you can ping me in the chat window or you can shoot me an email. Either way, we'd love to hear from you. So a survey at the B2B marketing community showed that 68% of businesses report struggling with lead generation. I really can't believe it's not more than that. And another stat from a publication called Business to Community says sales teams spend an average of 80% of their day cold calling, yet this tactic only has 1% to 3% success rate. So one of the ways you can improve that is to actually be able to contact the people who are already coming to your website. And this tool actually allows you to do that. It identifies the exact business name and contact details of your anonymous visitors. So when somebody's coming to your website, they don't have to actually leave a comment or anything, just them showing up to your website. If it's a business, you can see who it is. 
You can see contact information and know who to call. You can be alerted when a prospect is on your website. You can generate custom reports to track prospect behavior. You can maximize the online ROI by turning unknown web visitors into sales leads and discover what your customers are interested in. So this is called Visitor Sleuth. It's powered by Lead Forensics. And to find out more, just come to websuasion.com forward slash leads. That's W-E-B-S-U-A-S-I-O-N dot com forward slash L-E-A-D-S. So we're going to talk to Jeff Bartholomew of Everest Business Coaching. Jeff has over 30 years of experience working for Fortune 500 company Steelcase. And he worked as the director of coaching and development, conducted more than 400 different individual one-on-one coaching sessions, and his own consulting practice has guided more than 1,000 clients through strategy, sales, leadership, branding, and communication. Here is our interview with Jeff Bartholomew. I'm here with Jeff Bartholomew. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good afternoon. How are you, Ryan? Good, good. Thanks for coming to the show. My pleasure. Tell me about your uh, work history before you started Everest Business Coaching. Well, right out of college, I went to a big company called Steelcase, and they're the world's largest office furniture company. Oddly enough, I was there 30 years, unexpectedly, and I rose to the level of director of global sales, and I was here in Atlanta, traveling all around the world, and then... The last four years I was there, I was also the director of coaching and development for the global accounts team. So I went around the world helping our people get better at what they do. And then I left there and I went to work at Williams-Sonoma. I had a 16-month contract with West Elm, which is a company that's wholly owned by Williams-Sonoma. And we launched a new brand. I was one of three people that architected that project. It was called West Elm Workspace. And when that contract was up, that's when I launched Everest Business Coaching. So it's been a little over three years now. So what gave you the confidence to go solo? Well, I'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I think it got to the point where I didn't want to work for anybody else. I thought at the time I had a lot to share with other entrepreneurs. And I wanted to give back to the community that I lived in. And so this was the best way to do it from my perspective. So what kind of challenges did you run into initially when you started Everest that you weren't expecting maybe or yeah. especially coming from a coaching background you you know you were used to coaching people on leading a team right. what was it that happened to you that was right. un- out of the ordinary? I don't know that's out of the ordinary it's probably fairly common. But as entrepreneurs we go into the business with a great idea or we think we have a great idea. And we get timid. We get tepid. We put a toe in the water instead of diving in, which is what I did. And if I had to, if I could go back and do it over, I'd dive in. So does that mean that you were afraid to take certain jobs or what was tepid for you? Yeah, I think taking risks around everything in the business, right? Whether it was taking on debt, whether it was trying a new product, launching a new product, launching a new service. There was doubt back there in the back of my mind and there shouldn't have been. People took well to the products and services that I provide. And I feel that a lot of people are the same way. There are very few people that I run into that are entrepreneurs that dive in. Definitely my personal experience is that as we developed our business, I found that I knew a lot more than I realized. And I was always holding myself back. I was talking with a client today that said something similar. And he called it, we paint our own picture. We fill in the blanks of what other people are thinking about us or about ourselves. Right. 
And we, we put these limits on ourselves, and we shouldn't do that. Other people aren't thinking about you, number one. Right, exactly. And then exactly. number two, if they are, it's probably positive. It's funny, along those lines, I was at Georgia College last week. I'm on the board of the business school there. And I was judging some social, a social media competition. These young college students were standing up and speaking, and I started giving them presentation advice. And I said, the one thing that you need to know is that everyone in this room that's watching you wants you to be successful. There's no one thinking, I hope this person trips, I hope this person fails. So to your point, when you started your business, everyone was hoping you'd be successful. They knew that you knew what you were doing. I hope the same was true when I started mine. So tell me about the college, the J. Whitney School of Business, Georgia College. Correct. Eight years ago, one of the professors got a hold of me and wanted me to help start their marketing department advisory board. So we did that. And we've got 10 board members now. We meet three times a year. We do a lot for the university in terms of raising money, finding internships, placing people in jobs. We give workshops on how to get a job, how to progress in your career. And then four years ago, I joined the broader board of the business school. It's a much larger board, but it's a fantastic school, great university with wonderful professors, really bright students. I see just amazing things out of those students. We also, one of the things I forgot to mention, we also mentor students. So every year I mentor at least one student, sometimes two. So what have you found with that kind of community outreach for your business? How is that, other than obviously the exposure you get, what does that do? It gives me credibility because I'm I'm able to offer clients of mine, friends of mine that have businesses, interns, and access to research. So as an example, we had a board meeting last week. I talked with the professor last night. She's doing research around nonprofits, around volunteerism, and why do people volunteer for certain nonprofits, a big marketing research project. So based on my experience, I have three clients here that are large nonprofits, Bridging the Gap, Close Less Traveled, and the Southern Conservation Trust. So I'm going to connect her with those organizations so that she can do a survey of their volunteers. So there's connections like that that add credibility to what I do and allow me to give back to the broader community, not just here in Fayette County, but at Georgia College as well. We teach as well as part of our community outreach. And one of the things I realized is that as I taught, the students ask questions in a way you never would have thought of. And it's like these you get these little aha moments where you're like, you know, I never thought of explaining it that way. And now I understand it better. You know, through I do a lot of workshops. And I also teach at Georgia College occasionally. When I say teach, it's probably more accurate to say I'm a speaker to the professional selling class and to the issues in international business classes that they have there. And so the opportunity to teach, it's a big deal because it does make you better at what you do. Right. So when I teach selling classes around either the challenger sale or spin selling, I remember being taught how to use those methods 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and I knew the information. But once you've taught it, right, it's at a level most people can't imagine. I mean, it's, it's ingrained in you at that point. Are you talking about focal point coaching that, that you do with Brian Tracy? What was the... What well, was those, are the, those are most of the workshops that I deliver. Through focal point, I do communication breakthrough, sales breakthrough, eat that frog. Those are the three primary ones. You need to tell me about Eat That Frog. I have absolutely no idea what that's about. So yeah. What is that? Well, I'll come back. Uh, let me come back to that. Mm-hmm. And then I create a, create other workshops around books that I've read or, or videos that I've seen. So Simon Sinek 
did a video and wrote a book around Start With Why. Right. I, did, I developed a workshop around that. I developed a workshop around the book, The Five Temptations of the CEO. And then Eat That Frog is it was a number one bestseller. It's one of the best-selling books on time management. It is the number one, I should say, book on time management. Is it similar to Getting Things Done or – that's that's kind of the school I came from. Was yeah. the David Allen? Yeah. yeah, it's similar to that. I think that the "Eat That Frog" it's actually based on a quote by Mark Twain, and that quote is basically this. I'm going to paraphrase that: if the worst thing that you do, the first thing each morning, is to eat a live frog, then you can go through the rest of the day knowing that you're going to have a great day, right? And so right. the metaphor is that you need to do the most important or most difficult thing first, and it goes well beyond that. It goes about how to prioritize your time, how to avoid procrastination how to schedule your day, and it's a wonderful workshop, and it's a lot of fun. And I give people a little green frog, right, that they can put on their desk or on their counter in their bathroom when they get up first thing in the morning, because I want a constant reminder that I've got to eat that frog in the morning. And I take pictures of it when I travel. So I'll hold it up in front of the Eiffel Tower or the Empire State Building or the Grand Canyon or whatever, and then I send it to the people that have taken the class. So sometimes they get a kick out of that. Do you find people who uh, self-identify as introverts uh, have that issue more than anyone else? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. There's been a lot of studies recently around what makes the best salesperson, an introvert or an extrovert. Right. And there's growing evidence that that introverts are actually good at sales, and I've never, I would never disagree with that. There's another term out there called ambivert. Those yeah. people that can go back and forth readily, they can adapt themselves to the situation. And actually, that's one of the things we teach in one of those workshops I do called Communication Breakthrough, where what I really want to do is adapt my communication behavioral style to yours. Right. Not in a manipulative way. I'm not trying to manipulate you to do something that I want, but rather to give you what you want. We use the DISC assessment survey, and let's say that you're a C. Well, if you're a C and I'm naturally a high I, we're polar opposites of one another in terms of how we behave and communicate. So if I'm with you, I need to dial things back, mm-hmm. talk more soft, talk more softly, I should say, um, think more logically, present things in a more organized fashion than, than I would with other people. But I'm giving you what you want. I'm, I'm giving you communication in the format that's best for you as opposed to what's best for me. What is it that differentiates you from other coaches? I mean, there's a lot of coaches out there. I tend to see them all having their own niche. Right. What is that niche for you? What I like to think about is the fact that I I am a different type of a coach. One is based on experience. So you see a lot of people coming into the coaching business today that don't have a tremendous amount of experience. And that's the number one thing that I would be looking for is someone that's seen a lot of things and can help me address a lot of things. Second thing that I think that that separates uh, Everest Business Coaching from others is accountability. We want to hold our people, our clients accountable. We want them to do the work. And then the third thing is results. We're extremely focused on driving results. And in most organizations I work with, it's around growth. How can you help me grow my business? The accountability part. I mean, I've seen some presentations of yours where you're talking about what you do. You kind of like look over the shoulder of your clients and talk a little bit about like, was it KPI? And- KPIs and KRs, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of, that's literally, after I teach them about communication, the first thing I do is give everyone a DISC assessment. I lead them through a, a one-on-one version of the workshop communication breakthrough which is a big eye-opener for them. Then the next thing that we dive into is, is thinking about their business. And we think about it in terms of what's important to them. 
And those things that are important to them, we want to measure. So we start with KPIs, which are key performance indicators. Those are leading indicators of what's about to happen in your business. Okay. So an example of that might be sales calls last week. How many sales calls did I have last week? And how many proposals did I send out last week? And how many posts did I have on social media last week? Things that would say I'm driving activity to my website or to my business, and then the phone's going to start ringing. And then next month, I'm actually going to see that in the form of revenue, which leads down to KRIs, key result indicators. And those are measurements of what I've done. So those are measurements around my budget, around sales, around profitability. And I really want my clients focused on that and measuring not only the bottom line, so to speak, the KRIs, but those leading indicators. And I do it in a color-coded format so that it's kind of red, yellow, green. And if you've got a lot of red on your KPIs, you can't expect a good month or week the following with all that red. So there's a focus that we need to move all these lights to green, so to speak. Have you seen a pattern with your clients as far as like where they tend to fall down at? Is it cold calling or, you know, is there a specific, I mean, I hate cold calling, but. Yeah, I think uh, everybody hates that. Yeah. But again, I was talking with a client this morning, the the gentleman was talking about you paint your own picture. And we were talking about his training plan next year for his staff. And we talked about each one of his people that he wanted to train. And there were three of them. And then I said, what about you? What do you need to work on? And unlike a lot of people, he was very reflective. He said, well, what I need to work on are these things. And one of those is self-sabotage. And what happens with him is, and, and we talked about Eat That Frog, because he'll say, I've got, I've got something I know that's important, but then I'll hear something going out in the shop, and I want to go out and, and get involved in that. So I, I leave the important thing, and I go deal with the, fun, the thing that's fun to him right. or interesting to him at the moment. That, that's the same as me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it's, it's, hard to be, it's hard to get beyond where we are your current level, if you're not thinking beyond what I'm currently doing. What new skills do I need? What things should I be doing to grow my business as opposed to just doing what I've always done? Right. Well, especially if you come from being a solo or a two-man operation and you're used to having so many hats, and then you, as your business grows and you start bringing on new people, trying to delegate that and you know, it's it, that's such a tough thing for a lot of businesses to do. I know I'm guilty of that. Well, I think one of those things too, Ryan, is we self-limit ourselves in terms of income or in terms of what you and I have been talking about in terms of our business. Well, is it even a matter of thinking about numbers? Do you find that businesses that are really, they should know their numbers, but if they're that obsessed with the numbers, are they going to be as successful as someone who's just more obsessed with delivering a better product or finding the right customers or finding their niche? Or You know, when you think about that, you think of Chick-fil-A. Right. They're highly profitable, but they're focused on the customer experience. And they make they, how much more than McDonald's? In oh, a it's day? crazy. I mean, it's, yeah. I think the average store has five times the sales of a McDonald's. They're, and they're closed on Sundays. Right. So. And they're closed on Sunday. It's <laughs> a good point. But I think they're, they are extremely focused on doing the right things. And if you do the right things, it will lead to profitability down the road. I agree 100% with that. But I think going back to that point about putting a limit on how much we make, either in revenue for the company or personal income, 
it could be more if we only set our sights higher. That kind of leads me right into one of the things that I saw as I saw you speak as a differentiator for you was that you talk a lot about exit strategy. Can you talk about what you uh, find and, and what you do to help businesses right. kind of develop that exit strategy and develop that value in their business? Right. I, I had a call right before I came here today, as a matter of fact, with a financial advisor who has a client that that wants to sell their business. And I do a lot of selling of businesses with the help of financial advisors. They lead me to the opportunity. And then my job is to help get that business ready for sale. So the example is, in my mind, if you were selling your home and you decided to sell it today, you wouldn't put the sign in the yard today. You'd have to fix it up. You'd plant flowers. You'd paint the garage door, declutter it. You could sell it with an agent maybe. Say, yeah. what should we, you know, what color should we paint this? What's selling best? Right. Yeah. You want to build up the curb appeal. And the same is true with a business. You need to get the business ready to sell. And it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for most people. So you want to make sure that it is ready to sell and that you sell it at its maximum value and not at its fire sale value. So earlier this year, we sold a business. I remember meeting with them probably 15 months prior to the sale. I said, what do you think your business is worth? And they said, $1.8 It was a partnership, so they, they were each going to roughly take away nine hundred grand. The first thing that we do is a, an opinion of value, so it's not binding. It's, it allows people to make that, should I sell the business or hold on to it? Kind right. of that buy-hold uh, decision. And we valued it at uh, a little over $3 million. It sold for four point two. So okay. wh- where were they getting their figures? Well, I, from friends, and that's the issue. How, what do you think my business is worth? Yeah, and they, they, kind of, yeah. yeah, and what happened was, or what happens in that situation, is let's say that they hadn't engaged with me and a broker. What would have happened is they could have called you and said, hey, Ryan, you want to buy my business? I think it's worth $1.8 million. And uh, you have an accountant look at it, and he goes, yeah, $1.8 million would be a good deal. And so you... They could have sold it for $1.8 million to a friend, and instead they got $4.2 million, which is almost it's two and a half times what they were expecting, or nearly that. And is that the kind of business that has, I mean, were they selling products? I mean, you don't have to get into too many specifics about that client, yeah. but uh, were they selling products, or were they selling, did they have intellectual property or a user base, or yeah, it's a, co- it's a, contracts? Or? Normally, well, we when we engage with a business, we do sign non-disclosure agreements. In this yeah. case, it's sold, it's a matter of public record, so I can talk about it. It was a mental health facility with multiple locations, okay. and they were bought by a strategic a competitor who wanted a entrance into the Georgia market. So it was a strategic buy from the standpoint of the buyer. And while they didn't pay a premium, they paid a, what I would call a fair market value. The previous owners just didn't know how to value a business. And, and the other thing that's important, Ryan, it's not only the importance of the how much you get for the business, it's the terms around the business, right? So when do you want the transaction to close? How do you want the money to come? Do you want a, do you want a management contract? Do you want to be paid out over several years? So you've got a tax accountant involved in right. that. Yeah, yeah, because you don't want to take that all in one hit. Right. Yeah. So you've got a program coming up called the Entrepreneurial Growth Program. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd be happy to. I'm going to be launching a group coaching program, and, and it's called the Entrepreneurial Growth Program. And it's fo- focused on growing the capabilities of entrepreneurs so that they can more readily and successfully grow their business. So the concept is this. 
I'll put everyone through the DISC assessment. So I'll meet one-on-one with them to debrief that. And then we'll meet eight times in a group. So we'll meet uh, two weeks in a row, take a week off, two weeks in a row, take a week off, that kind of thing. And at the end of it, we'll do a one-on-one kind of launch meeting where you've basically graduated, you'll get a certificate, and I'll put my hand in their back and say, you're ready to go. But we'll, we'll talk about things like developing strategy, um, a three-year strategic plan, I should say. We'll talk about sales. We'll talk about marketing. We'll talk about branding. We'll talk about operations. We'll talk about how to attract clients. We're going to talk about what obstacles are in the way that are preventing you. We'll, we'll talk about how do, how do you get a success mindset. Is it aimed at people who are starting a new business or just any, like any, they're just trying to improve their Anyone existing Anyone that's business? trying to improve their business. They're one of the people that signed up is a, I would call them a startup. One of the other ones is more of a, I think they've been in business for probably four years. Again, I, I talked to that business owner this morning, as a matter of fact, and their sales were great the first year. They dropped 5% the second year. They've been flat ever since. And they're not making money. They're not losing money. Gotcha. So they're paying the bills, which is where we find a lot of entrepreneurs. Yep. And so helping them get out of that that mindset of this is where I am. Right. This is my life. We, we want to get them out of that mindset. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Web Suasion Conversation. Please come by and check out the show notes at websuasion.com forward slash the number two. That's websuasion.com forward slash two. Next week, we have on the show Frank Goldman, a business attorney, and he's going to talk about the common mistakes businesses make from a legal perspective. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you can, please leave a review. That's a great way of getting the word out on what we're doing here and letting us know what you think. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you have a productive business week.